When you look back on your lives, you ought to be able to say, my life mattered. My life counted for something. And that my life is remarkable only in the impact that I've had on others. We all would love to have a building named after us, our own star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. But God says, after we've been called home, none of that matters if we have not done the work he's called us to do. Dr. Smith returns with today's message that comes from 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 6 through 8. And let's listen as Dr. Smith explains. Paul sums up his life with three statements, and I'm going to build much of my conversation with you around those three statements. First thing he said is, I have fought the good fight. Don't miss the the in that statement. Paul didn't say, I have fought a good fight. It doesn't do you any good to fight a good fight. Because all you get is down here. In order to get blessings up there, you have to fight the good fight. And it's no good if you start out and turn back. See, some of us get weary. We get tired. We get frustrated because life is hard. But Paul said, I fought the good fight. I have finished the race. In other words, I've done all that was asked of me, all that was demanded of me. He says, and now I have a crown that's waiting for me at the end. But the marvelous thing about the crown that all of us are going to get, those of us who love his appearing, is that it's not for us to strut. Because what we're going to do is we're going to take that crown as soon as it's given to us, and we're going to do what? We're going to cast it at his feet. Because without him, there would be no crown. Do you remember when we used to sing, no cross, no crown, no cross, no crown? Have you ever thought about one statement that you could make that would summarize your life. Was I a good friend? Was I a faithful employee? Was I born again? Did I lead people to the Savior? Did I love the Lord with all my heart? So today I want to draw three lessons from Paul's life and the text before us. And I've given this a great deal of thought. And I, I, I said it earlier that Gladys Knight could have been in here with us. I don't think I could have enjoyed that song more had Gladys sung it. Thank you, choir. Thank you, choir. So, so what have I been thinking about? What have I been contemplating as I get ready to make this, this sort of swan song to you? I've been thinking about the fact that I've been married to the same woman for over 50 years. Now, somebody ought to say amen. 
married to any woman. Wait, wait. See, I'm, I'm not hating. I'm not hating. I'm just knowing. <laughs> 30 plus years of vocational ministry. Have you all ever heard the expression herding cats? Okay. The one, any cat owners in here? Okay. Okay. So put your hand down. You don't own cats. They own you. And that's sort of like pastoring. It's sort of like herding cats. Okay. Everybody has got a mind of their own. And occasionally we can get together on something. But then as soon as we get together, somebody's going to decide that was the wrong thing to do to get together. And then they start unraveling. Boom, shakalakalaka. Okay, that I won't miss. And I thought about the fact, if someone would write my life story, what would they say? What would they say about Les Smith? So let's work through this. Turn to 2 Timothy chapter 4. I'm going to read verse 6. But before that, before that, um, no, let's read that. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 6. It says, For I'm already being poured out as a drink offering. Now, you need to know something about the sacrificial system to know that there were offerings that were called libation offerings. And so you took the best of your crop for that year that you made into wine and you would literally pour it out in the presence of the Lord as an offering to him, a sacrificial offering. And so Paul is saying, I'm already being poured out as a libation and the time of my departure has come. Paul is saying to Timothy that I left everything on the field. And it's now time for me to step aside and yield to someone else that someone else is you. And the message I think that Paul is giving to Timothy is he said, if anyone should ever write my life story, I would like for them to say that I lived a life of sacrifice. That I lived a life of sacrifice. If we are going to live a life for Christ, we cannot live it for ourselves. Scripture says, greater love hath no man than this, than that he would lay down his life for another. But see, the interesting thing is all of us are willing to write a check. We want to get our tithes and offerings out of the way so we write a check. Someone comes to us and they need help and we write a check. Sacrifice doesn't mean you write a check. Sacrifice means that you go to the bank with your check, you cash it, and that you issue it out in nickels, dimes, and quarters every single day of your life. You see, you can't sacrifice once and for all. You have to get up every morning and do the same things over and over like mothers do. 
for ungrateful children. They get up, they make breakfast, they prepare clothes, they drive like a taxi cab to wherever the kids want to go, they stay up late at night, they wash clothes day in, and wouldn't it be great if you could just write a check and somebody would come in and raise your kids? Now, I would write that check. The only problem with writing a check when you're trying to raise kids is the only thing you can do. I don't know if I'm supposed to be way out there or not. The only thing that you can do is sign the check because life is going to write in the number. Okay, did you hear what I'm saying? Life. I just love it. People, people have all these pretty babies. And, and, you know, it's, oh, she's so cute. Okay, very few babies are cute. I'm just going <laughs> to let you know. Okay, all cute babies are cute in the eye of the one who bore them for nine months. Don't, don't assume everybody thinks your baby is cute. Don't force that on them. <laughs> one of my favorite uh, Seinfeld episodes is where there was an ugly baby. And then they walked over and looked in the crib and they all grimaced. But then, and, and then the lady says, who had the baby, says, isn't he cute? Of course, of course the baby's cute. Life will write in the numbers. You don't plan to sit in a courtroom or an emergency two or three weekends in a row. You, you don't plan for a child that's sick or a child that, that uh, needs special care. But when you sign up, all you do is sign the check. Life will write in the numbers. But most of us don't understand sacrifice. Do you, do you guys know, a guy, have heard of a guy by the name of Usain Bolt? Okay, so Usain Bolt ran in the 2008, 2012, and 2016 Olympic Games. What stands out is the 2012 Games where he got the title, The Fastest Human Alive. He ran the 100-yard dash so fast, faster than it had ever been run before. And so Usain Bolt, in that less than 10 seconds, became the fastest human alive. But, and then he came right back after the 100 meters, and he won the 200 meters. But did you know that in 2008, Usain Bolt won the 100 meters and the 200 meters? In 2012, he won the 100 meters and the 200 meters. In 2016, he won the 100 meters and the 200 meters. And if you put them all together, you have about 40 or 50 seconds out of his life. But how did Usain Bolt get there? Hours and days 
and months in the gym. Injuries, frustration, sacrifice so that he could become the fastest human alive. I can't tell you how many times I've talked to people and you know their impression of pastoring? All y'all do is stand up on Sunday for 35 minutes. What do y'all do the rest of the week? That's the concept of a pastor in the eyes of many people. I cannot tell you all of the times that I gave up sleep because you gave up sleep. How many times you sweated, so I sweated. How many times you cried and I cried. I would like for somebody, if they choose to write my life story, to say that I lived a life of sacrifice. And I hope that you can say, when you meet the Savior, that I lived a life of sacrifice. Second point that Paul made is in verse 7. He says, I fought the good fight. I finished the course. I've kept the faith. So if anyone should ever write my life story, I'd like for them to say, I lived a life, not just of sacrifice, but of substance. Of substance. It's very important. I'm going to ask a question of you. How many of you, and I want you to think about this before you raise your hand. What's your purpose? Do you know your purpose? The reason that God placed you on this earth. What is your purpose? Let me see your hand if you know. Okay. See a few hands. I don't see everybody's hand. Does that mean that you or just uncomfortable raising your hands, or you really don't know your purpose? What do you do when you don't know your purpose? You embrace some purpose. See, sometimes we ask people, oh, people say, I don't do that. You know, some of you, your purpose is working in children's ministry with somebody else's kids. You just don't want your purpose. <laughs> your purpose is not to be happy doing what you're doing. Your purpose is not to um, get money for what it is that you're doing. Your purpose. Why am I here? How has God gifted you so that you might be a blessing to other people? I found out a long time ago that the gift that God had given me of all the other, and I think I have multiple gifts. I think the gift that God gave me was the gift of teaching. And so if God gives you the gift of teaching, what should you do? Some of you have the gift of teaching. Some of you have the gift of serving. 
but you're not even concerned. Amity needs servants. Amity needs people to step up to their purpose. And all you have to do is look at your gift and you'll know your purpose. Now, I happen to know that concert music is not my purpose. I waited 30 years to be able to sing during one of my sermons. And that 30 years has gone by, and I sang one time with the kids over at, and, they, and, and, I, and it took Andrea probably three weeks to teach me that one song. And all Pastor Martin does is he just starts singing. So, so somewhere in his purpose is singing. So, so th- and some people, they can't stop with their purpose. Sharita, I think her purpose is somewhere between worship and worship. You ever notice how she just can't be still? And she can't be quiet. Jerome, praying for your brother. You have to, you, the, the, my purpose was to serve. My purpose was to be a shepherd. I spent 25 years as a businessman, and all I wanted to do was make money. And then I came into pastoral ministry, and none of that mattered. The only thing that mattered was where was the hurt, and how do you minister to that hurt? (laughs) Find your purpose. But let me walk up to the, forgive me, brothers. Okay, but you got to do something. Okay. L- let me raise your hand if you're not involved in ministry at Amity right now. Raise your hand. Okay, so you can't find your purpose. Okay, you're going to have to get in and do something. We'll tell you if that's not your purpose. <laughs> Just like y'all told me, singing was not my purpose. All the snickering and, you know, carrying on and... Just like that. (laughs) So I immediately knew singing is not my purpose. Paul said, I fought the good fight. You've got to find the good fight, and you've got to fight it. Because you don't want Jesus to come back to say, I gave you all these blessings, and you sat on them. Some of us can actually go into an in-person store and not even speak. And that we've been given the word. We've been given the gospel. We have been given a way to point people to the Savior, and we just get our groceries and walk out. And somebody went to hell that day. Find your Purpose. Don't you realize that we don't fight against 
flesh and blood? Okay, your laziness is not just because you are lazy. Satan wants you thick and lazy. Okay, so I, I promised my wife I wouldn't get loud, so I'm getting loud. Last point. If anyone should ever write my life story, I would like for them to say I lived a life of significance. Listen to verse 8. It says, In the future there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to those who loved his appearing. One of my greatest fears uh, as a younger man is that I would go to hell. Because you know how when you are young and you absolutely say you're not going to do uh, that, that stuff you've been doing, but as soon as you get a chance, you go back and you do it again? And so I used to say, when I was in Detroit, I had friends, I had habits, and, and I, it, it, Sunday would come, and I said, okay, those habits will not rise today. And all I needed was one call from one of my road dogs, and, and, the, and I could feel those habits just rising back up. And, and I didn't know, get thee behind me, Satan. Oh, oh, oh. And so I ended up right back where I said I wasn't going. And then it almost always was a Sunday night. I'd be on the side of my bed crying. And I'd say, God, I never should have been born. I said, if I wasn't born, I couldn't go to hell. But what I didn't know is that I could be born again. <laughs> There's a, there is a lady right now. She is in heaven, and I know what she's doing. What was her name, Glenna? Sister Cole. Sister Cole was at New Mount Zion Baptist Church, and Sister Cole would not let an opportunity pass where she could get up and say something to the congregation. And then she'd say whatever it is that she was going to say, but before she would sit down, she would say, but you got to be born again. You, you got to be born again. See, I'm telling you right now that your life will have no significance if you have not been born again. Do y'all hear what I'm telling you? I, I don't care how many degrees you have. I don't care where you work. I don't care who your boss is or what it is that you do, how many clothes you have or how many rooms you have in your house. You must be born again. And so if anyone would ever write my life story, for whatever reason there may be, I want them to say he was born again and I'll see him in the kingdom. I, 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 hope, I hope I don't miss y'all. I, I really don't. I, I don't want to be having all this fist bumping and hugging with y'all and then look around on that great getting up morning and you are nowhere. You are not to come to Amity Bible Church and not be born again. 
Live a life of sacrifice. Live a life of substance. And then live a life of significance. What's your claim to fame, Leslie Smith? I'm standing before the master. What's your claim to fame? I am a blood-bought, blood-washed sinner saved by grace. That's, that's all that's going to matter. You, you can take all your awards. You can take all of your education. You can take all of your knowledge to the judgment seat. And the only thing that will matter is have you been born again? That wraps up another awesome word. If you're in need of prayer, counsel, or if we can assist in any way, please don't hesitate to ask. If you would like to join, contact us, or receive these and other sermon notes, visit us at amitybc.org. Until next week, be blessed.